All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my podcast. Welcome to the show. My guest today is comedian Ryan Singer, a good friend of mine who's been on this show in small bits and pieces many times over the years. Today's Ryan's day to have his full interview. He's been a good friend of mine for years. He's open for me on the road. He's got a new CD out called Immortal for Now. Uh, he's also going to be appearing tonight at Doc's Lab, which is the old Purple Onion in San Francisco. And he's on the show today, Ryan Singer. Yay. I am heading into the last day of shooting for season four of my show, Marin, which can be seen on IFC starting in May. You can watch ep- uh, seasons one through three of Marin on Netflix. It's not really a plug. I'm not trying to plug. I'm just telling you. So let's re-enter the conversation about the buzz that's coming through my receiver. And this is the problem with dealing with audio that you now have a, a, some sort of sense of perfection invested in or some sort of a emotional uh, commitment to the nostalgia effect of uh, you know running analog audio through old receivers and equipment to time travel like I do. I can't, I can't not have music on right now. I just, I don't know what it is. If I, if I have music on almost all the time in my house or wherever I am alone, primarily, then whatever voices that are not singing to me within me that are not generally saying pleasant things or maybe not reflecting on the best things, uh, they get sort of drowned out by some of the amazing musicians and, and people's records that I listen to. So it is psychologically beneficial in my great journey to uh, avoid and uh, distract myself from existential paralysis. That, I think that's healthy. Am I a better person? Do I feel better? Yeah, I have music going all the time, so I'm constantly distracted by something that's pleasant in my ears and not necessarily something on a computer screen that's going to cause me anxiety like the speedball that is Twitter. But I'm getting to the point where I might have to try to build a Faraday box. I didn't know what a Faraday box was. I'm not sure I do know what a Faraday box is. I'm not sure I understand what a Faraday box is, but if you're getting, if your equipment's getting pummeled by external waves, I believe they may be called RF waves might be the ones I'm dealing with, radio transmitter wave, something, antenna. But uh, the Faraday box is something, it has to be made out of steel or copper mesh, from what I understand, and it has to surround the piece of equipment, and and then you have to ground it, and it will deflect whatever electrons or electro uh, pebbles or electricity waves are coming at it, are coming at your receiver or whatever piece of equipment it is that's picking up these, these waves and causing trouble in the quieter moments of wonderful music so so i'm 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 going to get that stuff and i'm going to build one and it's going to be a big pain in my ass because now I'm, i can't look at my my pretty old marantz i got to look at this giant box covered in copper tape that i have to put over the thing in order to play a record the Faraday box. Apparently, planes are basically flying Faraday boxes so we don't get jarred by lightning and fried in our chairs before the plane crashes. But uh, Faraday box on the horizon, protected, protected from renegade frequencies that can just pound their way in and cause some unpleasant noises and buzzing and bad sounds. 
So that's that's where I'm at. I'm at the Faraday box stage. All right, so let's let's track it. And you know, see, like some of you, you know, you you wonder, like, you know, what why is why is Marin talk about himself all the time or what? Yeah, go back on the air, go to the archives on how.fm and listen back. One of the reasons I choose to talk about my small world and my large brain keeping me trapped in my small world and whatever I uh, take in within it uh, is because there, there's a, they, it, it doesn't necessarily hardly ever date itself. That I was very aware going into this that if I did a, a, a podcast or, or, or utilize this medium, to talk about you know current events or or be constantly in relation to current events that that I would have uh, they would have a shelf life of nothing they would be dated I knew that but I'm not always insulated well friends so the other night I kind of fell down a pit it's stupid I did a few sets at the comedy store did one good one pretty good one where I kind of got out on the ice and dicked around a little bit and paid off that was the early show in the original room. Then I did the main room where I just did some good material that I liked to a great audience. I followed Yakov Smirnoff, uh, who, who, who also did well at the comedy store. And I was bringing up Rogan after me, and I, I killed. It was a great set. And then I did a later set in the small room again, the original room. And, and I, I'm trying to work on new material. So in the way I do that is I get on stage and I ramble through some stuff that I think is going to go somewhere. And I, I hope that the great muses the comedy muses deliver to me in that moment where a laugh is needed. The, the, the line that I will need to get that I, I, I wait for it to spontaneously occur. And that sometimes it's a, a longer wait than others, but the premises themselves were funny enough to at least be entertaining. And my struggle with them was funny enough to be entertaining, but I did not receive a transmission. I did not receive a transmission from the comedy muses from the great, uh, from the great um, whatever. I wish I'd see. That's, that's exactly what happened. Right there, I waited for something, an analogy, a metaphor. I hope it would pop in. Did not pop in. Did, I didn't outline this, but it didn't pop in. So I was left hanging and you saw it. You witnessed exactly what happens to me when I'm writing new material on stage. It doesn't always happen. All right, but it's just part of the process. So I did that which, you know, I should just be doing the job. I should just be doing the job. I should be entertaining. So I got up on stage, that third show I was doing, and this is, this is what sent me spiraling, and you're going to, it's stupid. I was looking for an opportunity to spiral. So I go up there and I riff through some stuff, didn't work great, got some laughs, was trying jokes that worked on the very first show that were new, and and they just didn't pan out that third show. Didn't pan out. And I knew that. But I knew it wasn't bad. And I'm in the hall after the set. I'm getting ready to run away in my car because there were friends of mine there to see me. And I didn't feel good about the set. And I still have that sensitivity. Some guy comes barreling out. An older guy. Maybe a little older than me. He's all lit up. Looks like a tourist. He goes, hey, hey, hey. Hey, he goes, you're funny, man. You're funny. It was the material. Okay. And I go, what? And he goes, you're, you're funny. You really are funny up there. You know, I can see that you're funny, but the material just wasn't there. And this was 
A compliment that was negated immediately after it was said. I'm familiar with that. I, I utilize that. But the bottom line was, he goes, it's my first time seeing you. I think you're really funny. It's just the material, eh, you know. I'm like, all right, I get it, man. I don't need to hear it three times. But he was right. I should have just done a pro set. I went up there and I noodled around and I had to, I felt that, that tinge of humiliation. This is the downfall of doing comedy is that embarrassment is incredibly disconcerting and uncomfortable. Being embarrassed is a horrible feeling. It's a very tangible feeling. It's not deadly, but it's, 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 it's horrible. And there's no shortage of the opportunity for that when uh, you do stand-up comedy. And one of the reasons I think I did stand-up comedy was to have a certain amount of control over that. But I did go home beating the shit out of myself, realizing like, yeah, that material isn't there. It'll be there. I didn't say that though. I spent a couple days and like, I don't even have it in me anymore. I don't got any material in me anymore. That was the end of it. There's no way I'm going to be able to pull another hour out of my fucking heart and out of my mind. It's over. That's where I went because that motherfucker said that. And I think he was honestly trying to compliment me. <laughs> Where is the Faraday cage for the brain? Where is the Faraday cage? Where is the protective mesh one builds around their inner sanctum of their mind where when there's just a little vulnerability? I usually have one. I've been pretty good with my, my mental Faraday cage of protecting myself from bad energy coming in and collapsing the whole sound of the inside of my inner monologue and dialogue and interpersonal relationship with myself from within. But there was a little vulnerability. There was a little crack in the mesh that night. And that guy just spat out that half compliment and set an electron past my my mesh that protects my mind. And it just started to wreak havoc. By the time I got home, uh, I needed to uh, stuff my feelings with food and to masturbate it all away. And then I woke up feeling gross and shitty and uh, small and human and uh, not completely sure I would ever be able to do anything funny again. End of story. But let's get now to my guest, Ryan Singer. Ryan Singer, a, 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 a great friend of mine, someone who's been on this show in various capacities over the years, live shows, uh, uh, the uh, creation creationist museum show he's been in here for short interviews well now now today is ryan's day today is ryan singer's day here on wtf uh he's been a good friend to me and he's a funny guy i've taken him out on the road with me he's uh, actually tonight in san francisco at the old purple onion which is called the doc's lab uh and he's got a new cd out called immortal for now and uh he's a searcher and he's the real deal He's out there doing the business, folks. He's out there doing the funny. So let's go now to my conversation with Ryan Singer. This is it, I guess. This is it. Long time coming, right? Coming down the pike. No, but if you thought that, have you have you at all harbored any resentment <laughs> or malice <laughs> in your heart? With the why is you know uh, you know I'm Marin's friend why haven't I done a well I a mean full thing well this is where I'm launching from my perspective on this yeah. I mean some people have asked me like oh haven't you done a full length one I was, I was like well listen I've done a live one in Aspen that was uh-huh. a while ago uh-huh. um, I've been in the garage a bunch of times yeah and then I was like um, 
I understand where they're coming from, but yeah. they don't understand where I'm coming from or to the degree of all the other things you've done for me. Right. You've helped me out a big time. I mean, yeah. you're my mentor. Oh, come yeah. on. So uh, you're, you're driving gonna, my old car. You're going to teach me how to uh, polish boots later. I will do that. I, I don't know. Like That's one of those things where I've got my own style that I think uh, is the right way to go, I, but I imagine <laughs> there are other people that are like, don't ever do that with a boot. Who the fuck told you to do that? I feel like you... Uh, polishing boots in my mind the image i have is you trying to like strangle a rabbit or, or like i feel like it would be very no, furious no no it's meditational like i got shit i got all the stuff but okay so let's go back the first time i met you was in cincinnati yeah cincinnati years ago i think i had you sign your book for me yeah you were there that's back when you were still air america radio days oh that horrible weekend where no one showed up yeah well i mean except me and a bunch of a bunch of all, Com- the, all the comics and in town. Tate. Yeah, and Tate. That was a bad weekend because I'm like, I, I felt like I didn't want the guy to give me the money because oh, yeah, like he had he had he had really assumed that I was going to just pack that place because Air America and literally it was the opposite. Yeah, but that th- th- there's no way that dude would not pay you. I mean, that's the kind of guy he was when he was. He's st- he's back there working again yeah. now, but he's not booking the club anymore. But that's the club I came up at, so it's like you can't. Like, in our minds, that was never even an issue. But let's talk about the evolution of the wild man, because I think at the time I met you, it was just beginning, but there was a time previous to that where you you had a haircut that was a proper haircut. Yeah. Uh, You dressed like a road comic. Yeah. You you seemed to be on a different trajectory. (laughs) So let's, let's walk it back. So- you grew up in Ohio. I grew up in Ohio. Yeah, I, very Catholic family. No, but let's 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 hold up here. So okay. I, you, you grew up in Ohio. How many siblings? I got uh, two, two, two born, and then others through marriage. Sisters, sisters. Yeah, two sisters. No, oh, oh brother and sister. You got brother and sister. But I've got multiple. I've got a couple stepsisters. A lot of fragmenting. Yeah, a lot yeah. of fragmenting. A lot of babies. But which part of Ohio? Southern Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, see, I, I don't know much about Ohio. Ohio is like a, a classic American state. You hear the word Ohio, it never means good things. Yeah, which is interesting to me. And, I, you know, I try not to. I, I take it with a grain of salt out here, especially, you know, when you got the, uh, you know, coast bias out yeah, here. Yeah, sure. You know, everyone calls it the flyover states. But right. you don't really, you know, you don't really pay attention to that because, you know, a lot of the food comes from there. So it's like, well, I mean, you're eating out here. Oh, so you're like, fuck you. We, we have pigs. Yeah, we have pigs. We and do cows. pigs. My mom and Ann actually have a uh, grass-fed... Uh, cow business that they've been doing for years right now yeah an organic you know no no steroids so, they've been doing it for like 10 years like tomorrow least. you could go visit cows oh yeah hell yeah i do all the time you do they got the horns too the ones that are from like scotland or whatever they look like uh where the wild things are uh-huh. those, those beasts uh yeah and they're uh and they're scary but do they live on the farm they live on the farm your your mom and aunt no my aunt does my aunt lives on the farm that my grandpa and grandma had wait a minute yeah your grandpa and grandma had a cattle farm, or was it well, always? No, a- no, it was not always a cattle farm. What was it? It was a uh, corn farm, and they held on to it. Yeah, my grandpa was an Air Force guy. Uh-huh. He was a, like a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and then he bought a bunch of land out there because Wright Pat Air Force Base is out there, but outside uh, of Dayton. Outside of Dayton, so uh, a lot of Air Force people out in that area, and, a lot and of they them bought land when it was like land coming back from what years ago from. Uh, wait, like he was a lieutenant colonel during what period in the military? Well, gosh, he was Korean War. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was just land available. Land, land available. grab. And, ton of land. I mean, you probably could... got a deal, a break for being in the service. Sure. You think? And, oh, yeah. And a ton of acres out there. And a beautiful house. Spent a lot of time out there as a kid growing up. Your grandparents' place. Yeah, my grandparents. On my mom's side. And and how many acres, like, are we talking? I'm, I'm guessing. I don't really know. 
I'm guessing at least probably 30, 40 acres. Oh, that's some pretty big. Yeah. So, okay, so your mom grows up out there? Sure. And it's a big old farmhouse? Big old farmhouse. And there was corn. No corn. pigs? Lots was there corn. pigs? He didn't do any of the farming. Yeah. They did lease out the land. A lot of people would lease out their land. Right. To just the, you guys do it, pay the lease, and yeah. good luck with the give corn. Us a, give us a cut. Yeah. Yeah. But there's always a, a corn subsidies for this or that. You know, they, they do more with corn. I think I might be ingesting corn right now and I don't even know it. You probably I think, are. I think there's corn in the air now. Corn syrup is everywhere. Corn syrup is everywhere and yeah. there's corn other things. I don't know. It's just corn always gets uh, used somehow. And I don't know why the why corn i mean i guess soybeans are kind of moving in they're mm-hmm. kind of moving up the uh the charts well corn is like i i think generally the across the board everyone's decided it's not good corn syrup is shitty it's a it's a horrible sweetener that uh, that gets everybody fat and uh and you, yeah it's hard to, to digest it which is where you get all those classic corn poop jokes yeah <laughs> goes in the same way it comes out which corns there's no, yeah. no point in it and popcorns i was, I was a big fan of those jokes when sure? i was younger how can you not be yeah uh, Ch- cheech and chong i like the way you got the corn in it for texture man i just saw on instagram today tommy chong is getting ready to release his new mixtape called corn in my shit <laughs> <laughs> never goes away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they grew up out there, and then I spent a lot of time out there as a kid. They would just drop us off during the summer. Of course, but like, no animals back then. No. No, well, they always had a bunch of dogs and cats running around, all kinds of cats and random dogs running around. All over now, the is this the grandmother I hear so much about? That's Grandma Jesus. <laughs> That's what we called her. She was hardcore Catholic. I mean, we're talking like when I was a teenager, if I was dating a girl, the first question out of her mouth was, is she Catholic? Right. Don't be unequally yoked. And I was like, I, I have mean? no idea what that unequally means. Unequally yoked. It's some biblical term about um, not being, I guess, Catholic. So you grew up with that shit? I grew up with that shit. Like the, because uh, we'd get dropped off out there on the farm for like, a, you know, a month at a time, it felt like, uh-huh. during the summer. And uh-huh. we would just, you know, wake up every morning and we'd have to, you know, do all the farm work and all that like kind of what? shit. Like what? If they're leasing I think the, the land out. They did have, they had a chicken coop. You know, that's how we went and got our breakfast. We'd go and raid the chicken coop, grab a bunch of eggs. And- and then you bring them in the house and your grandma would cook eggs? Yeah. Fresh eggs like that? Fresh eggs like that. And I'll tell you something. It's When you're a little kid, it's scary as hell stealing eggs from, from chickens. Yeah, because you're stealing their babies. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they don't like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you and your brother and your sister, are you the yeah. oldest? No, I'm the middle child. Who's the youngest? My sister. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. But like, I did learn a valuable lesson, though, because there was one, uh, what is it, a roost or a a uh, rooster, I guess. Yeah. The guy who just got to, you know, I guess, have sex with all the chickens. To, mm-hmm. And I was like, my grandma's like, yeah, that's the guy who, yeah. that's the one. You know, and he was the one who got real, the most pissed off when you were in there just squawking at you. And, um, but yeah, we do that. And I think they did have a cow too because I milked a cow as a kid. And somewhere. Yeah. It's and, a uh, vague memory. Yeah. I, I remember grabbing those things. Yeah. And there were horses too because my aunt had a, was boarding horses. She always kind of lived on a back house on the farm and she would board and like train horses yeah so i remember uh there was a, a horse horses, lady uh, horse lady so a couple donkeys here and there really uh-huh donkeys yeah i learned how to ride a horse when i was very young can you ride it now um yeah but i'm probably i'm i went and saw i was out there last summer and they have this big black stallion out there mm-hmm. it's gorgeous and i was actually scared to approach it because it'd been so long since i'd been around a horse you gotta stay and, on the horse yeah yeah you do and they are huge <laughs> beasts man yeah i know they terrify me yeah yeah i, I did ruin a horse once or uh, a pony you broke a pony well we because you're not supposed to feed them when you're sitting on them yeah uh and I, they always told us that but we did it anyways because we were stupid little kids right, right. and um but what happens was they get used to eating while someone's, you know, doing that. So then this horse wouldn't stop turning its head around and just biting your leg. 
Yeah, I had that experience. Horrible. When putting a saddle on, they bite you on the side. That's yeah. fucking worse. There's no way. Like, dudes who have the mindset to deal with large animals, like, that, they're just sort of like, they're just dumb fucking animals, and I'm the boss. I don't have that. I barely have that with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the worst, because they don't ever register that shit. Yeah. No, I can't. Uh, I do love a horse, man, but, like, yeah. I couldn't. People are like, oh, I want a horse. I never understood that either. Like, oh, I want a horse. Yeah. I want a horse. Give me a horse. It's what? like, you want a horse? Yeah. <laughs> like- A lot of responsibility. Yeah. Like, that's a that's a fucking horse. Yeah. But okay, so you're getting eggs. Uh, Grandma Milk Jesus- Milk and cows. Oh, Grandma Jesus is filling us with, uh, you know, filling us with like Book of Revelations type shit. Where's like, your, where, so where are your parents during this? They just oh, drop you off at Jesus Farm? Oh, yeah. And they're on their own? Yeah, I mean, they're both raised in Catholic- you know, big, large, strictly but Catholic But what's the families. background? The back- like, but you're not Italian, you're not Polish. Irish, you're not, mostly oh, you're Irish. Irish. Oh, okay. Mostly Irish Catholic. Yeah, um, I Scottish, German, English, French, I think uh-huh, too. Uh-huh. But, uh, but mostly Irish. My mom says it's the black Irish where I get their hair. I think so. I, I'm just seeing that now. I never yeah. realized it, but you're like some crazy Mick. Yeah. Yeah. So That makes sense. But it's so funny because like, you know, the rooster thing that like a lot of your, a lot of your bits now, your broad crazy man bits- you know, have to do with uh, survival and persistence and mysticism and, and biological things to a certain degree. It's all growing, man. The yeah, vision. it's all growing. The, uh, I've kind of transitioned. It's interesting because, like, when I first started comedy, I was kind of this same style, but I couldn't get work because I was just too, I was too much of a maniac. I didn't know how to write a joke yet, mm-hmm. exactly, so I would go on stage. I'd be like, I'm an artist. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, I can say everything I want. That's the and, way to uh, go. And so then five years later, I'm like, oh, I'm still just at open mics. Well, let's go back. So tell me about the Catholicism that was dumped into your head, because I, I think Catholics get a little mad at me because sometimes I'm dismissive or even uh, seemingly anti-Catholic, but it is a pretty big mind fuck. Oh, yeah, and it is. it, it gave me a, a great blueprint for what I really am into now in life, which is like that, you know, that mysticism of the universe and all that kind of stuff. So that's funny. So you transcended the, the, the sort of mundane yet ornate mysticism of the Catholic church, but the template was there. So you just started filling it in randomly with your own information. I don't need Jesus. I got crystals. (laughs) That's no, no, (laughs) why not? I guess. But so what, were you terrified of your grandmother or how crazy? She was a tiny little lady. Yeah. Tiny little lady. And she was a living saint. You know, according to everybody. And so, but you know, you don't want to miss yoke or whatever. So, okay. Yeah, so, what but she was very she... Catholic. Like she told me. I mean, she had pretty much convinced me that I was. I mean, I guess I didn't need much of a push, but even as a little kid, I think I was kind of a megalomaniac or a little egomaniac. Yeah. Um. You know, convinced me that I was very special. Yeah. You know, that's uh, what grandma's job. Yeah. Exactly. A good grandma's job. But this is was. To... I think this went a little above and beyond to the point where she's like, you know, the Virgin Mary will come to you in a vision, probably because you're very special. Oh, really? And then she gave me guidelines about like when how to know happened. if it's the Virgin Mary or if it's Lucifer pretending to be the Virgin Mary, which Wait, happens. Really? Yeah. Uh, if um, if the Virgin Mary appears to you, yeah, and is not barefoot, uh huh. That's when you know it's the devil oh posing as the Virgin Mary to try right. to trick you into some shit. Make note of that, Catholics. Yeah. So uh, she told me that. I, I remember I had one of the most distinct images I, I, or memories I have in my life as a little kid. We'd always go to church constantly with them when we were out there. And they'd have like little cafeteria luncheons afterwards. And one time we were just hanging out at the farmhouse and she showed me. She's like, do you want to see a miracle? And I was like, oh, I'm like six, seven years old. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to see a miracle. Yeah. And she shows me this picture of the lunch line of the church cafeteria 
and there's a space in between two people in line. Yeah. And in the middle is a floating Virgin Mary. And a picture. Yeah. This like, is before sh- Photoshop. This is way before Photoshop. This is what, 1983 or yeah. something? And uh, she's like, that's the Virgin Mary. She was captured in this photo. And, uh-huh. I was like, Hol-, and I was like, this will be the thing. Even as a little kid, I was like, this will be the thing that forever cements my faith in God. That picture. That picture. You right? bought it. I bought it. I right. was in. How old and were you? I, w- I, I can't remember exactly. I was somewhere between like six and nine years old. Wow. And so then for the rest of my life, that was the one thing that I'll, no matter how far away I got from the church, which was very, very far, I always had that one thing like stuck in my brain. That, like, that, well, I've seen the Virgin Mary in, in a cafeteria photo. cafeteria line right? picture. Yeah. And so then before she died, this was, I don't know, maybe like six or seven years ago, I was hanging out out there. And I was at like- At the farm still? At the farm. She's and, still out there? She yeah. stayed there till the end? Uh-huh. And my grandpa did too up until this past year. He passed away a yeah. year ago? She was 89, or no, he was 89 when he yeah. passed away. And she was, I think, 87. Wow. But uh, so what happened was I, I, she would always ask me, like, are you going to church? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd always lie and say yes. And uh, I was like, you know what? The one thing that's always held me on, you know, I've always had in my mind. And I was like, that picture you showed me of the Virgin Mary when I was a little kid. And she just looks at me and she goes, what? And I go, remember you had a picture from the church where the Virgin Mary was floating and she goes, oh, um, no, I don't, I don't remember that. And then like instantly I just remembered like feeling like, oh, it's all, it's all gone now. <laughs> like, <laughs> because you don't forget a miracle, right? Like right, right. to me, that's the way I, that's the way I rationalize it. Like you right. can't forget a miracle happening. And then someone told me, well, well, if your grandma was as religious as, you know, you say she was, she probably experienced miracles all the time. So this was no big deal to her. And I was like, no, you remember showing your grandchild a photo of the Virgin Mary. She was 87. Still. I mean, that was How- enough. It was enough for me to finally release all of that. Really? That moment? That moment. It was gone. What other shit did she tell you? What it, about like? Oh, well, so, so you saw the miracle. when I was younger. She told me like I would show up at school like when I was a kid. How often were you going to church when you were a kid? Did you every go- Sunday? Uh, every Sunday with the family, and then every Friday at school because I went to Catholic church for twelve years. So every Friday we'd have oh, school. So you mass. were really in. Well, I was. I had to. I, well, when I was a real little kid, up until about eleven, I wanted to be a priest. I had the whole mass memorized. Like I would, that's why you were special. That's why I was special, right? I thought I was like the next chosen leader of God. Like that's oh, your your grandmother had instilled that. She in had you? instilled to me that it was essentially it was it was Moses, Jesus, Ryan Singer out of Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> Everyone's been waiting for that. Everyone's singer, been kid. I mean, I really thought I was going to be at the you know the front lines yeah. of the war because she Which told war? me the war between the devil and God. Oh. You know, the second coming of Jesus that would open up. You know, that would be the big battle for everyone's souls and she told me that it would happen in her lifetime and you know she's been dead now for about six or seven years it's probably happening you yeah. just you're just out of the loop yeah or, you or, might be on yeah. the wrong side yeah now. or maybe this is hell or heaven or purgatory nah, or whatever nah nah it's happening <laughs> no if it's happening it's happening it's happening on but Twitter. this is not yeah heaven or hell this is earth and uh it's you know it's a troubled place yeah but there's no indication that that war is not going on it's just really how you frame it, isn't it? And apparently you've given up your leadership potential. Yeah. And now we're just a lost planet because Ryan Singer, you know, decided to hang his hope on bullshit. Just waiting for that moment where they come and they come and get me out of the, the you know, the doldrums or whatever and say, we need you now. You're, well, you'd be, how open are you? you well, know? hey, man, I am, uh, you know, my 2016 schedule is pretty open right now. So <laughs> be, be ready for the message from the almighty. Hey, Ryan, uh, your grandmother just reminded me. 
up here that <laughs> yeah yeah well you know I, I went by the peacemaker as a little kid like i gave myself that nickname you were the peacemaker i was the peacemaker yeah i would go around recess in school breaking up fights i'd be like stop fighting the peacemakers here you got to stop fighting and really then, oh yeah so she really filled you up she really filled me up i mean i got in trouble in mass in school because i'd be performing doing all the things and the nuns would be like what are you doing and i'm like uh you're, you they thought i was mocking the ceremony right and I was like, no, I'm practicing. You don't yeah. understand. Like yeah. I already, like even as a kid, I was like, I'm, I'm better than this guy is. Yeah, like, this guy it. is boring as fuck. Like, yeah. like get me, get the peacemaker up there. Let's get some charisma <laughs> happening in this mass. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can light this <laughs> thing <can> up, <laughs> <laughs> riff a little bit. Yeah, do some riffing. The homilies were, you know, I was like, oh, go off book on the homilies. That's when you like they tell their stupid jokes. You know, some of them, some priests actually had a little bit of sense of humor, and those ones were like, they were living gods. Like if you ever went, like people would say, oh, this priest, you got to come to this mass because this priest is hilarious. Yeah. And so I'd be like, okay, I'd check it out, and uh, and it was a guy who told a street joke. Yeah. That was the guy. Not who Not even was, using his own shit. Yeah. Not even using his own shit. But but that's interesting. So you were you you believed in hell. Oh, yeah. I don't have a memory of learning hell. That's how strong it is. Still a little bit, probably, if I was to be honest. Like, I don't remember learning about it. It's always been there. That's like a real, that really framed my life, you know? The idea of, of burning? Oh, God, Was yeah. it tangible? I mean, the well, peacemaker was, uh, you know, b before you, you, you realized that the devil was pulling at you. But yeah, I guess you knew that he was pulling at you every day, right? Well, sure, yeah. As the peacemaker, when you saw a couple of kids fighting in the... In the playground, you're like, oh, Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I better go get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. The devil is, yeah. is fucking with my friends. Oh, I better go beat the shit out of that yeah. devil over there. Yeah. The I always And then I learned how to masturbate. That's when I realized. That was a big moment. Really? That's when I was like, well, because you, you're taught that that's you're, when going, you start to, negotiating. you're going to hell for this. Sure. You start yeah. negotiating. <laughs> so, how bad could hell be? Yeah. How bad could hell be? Good. And so then, uh, you know, slowly but surely, I shed the, uh, the peacemaker after that. And, and now and, you're uh, the masturbator? And now I was the masturbator. <laughs> I am the lizard king. Yeah. And that's about around the same time I realized. That, well, yeah. You know, well, how old were you then? I was probably around 11. That's when we started jerking off? Yeah. I think that's when I first did too. I think yeah. that's about the year. That's when I transitioned from just laying on my belly on a mattress yeah. and waiting for something to happen. Yeah, to, to like actually taking, taking letting control the devil, of the situation. Yeah, letting, the, letting the, devil. the devil enter. Yeah. It's like the devil said, you know, you can make this you know, more fun and if you turn over and you actually get active with this, <laughs> not rely so much on like weirdly rubbing the fucking mattress. <laughs> never, I never was that guy. There, I know guys- You never like were, went full bore into never, it? No, that fucked pillows or fucked the mattress. It's yeah. sort of like- I had a weirder way. I, I've talked about it before. I, it was sort of like my, and it was, I've never heard anyone say it. Like literally the first few times that I fucking jerked off, it was like filling a bath up and that water shooting out of the spigot, I just stick my dick in there. <laughs> I don't know how it, if it happened by that mistake show, that or shows whatever. That how like, uh, you know, in touch it's with so, your feminine side you were. I guess so, it's a little hear, girly. Yeah, because you hear about like shower heads all the time yeah. with women. And so, yeah. yeah, even at a young age, you were in touch with your feminine side. I guess so. That's good. I guess, yeah. And I, I kind of jerked off weird for, for a good part of my life. It was weird. It was almost, it was girly a little bit. Yeah. The uh, Well, there. I mean, mine was real loaded. Like, I mean, with, with guilt and shame and The all first that time you stuff. grabbed hold well, of your dick, you were like, here we, this is it. Like, I remember, I'll never forget the day because then I could hear friends in the back. One of my best friends lived right behind me. Yeah. And my other best friend lived right next door to him. Uh -huh. And we were all the same age. And the one kid had a trampoline. So there's always kids there mm -hmm. just jumping around and having a good time. Yeah. And I was, it was after school. I jerk off for the first time. And then I can hear them all out laughing and having a good time. I'm like, oh, they're laughing at me because I just jerked off. Because this was also like part of 
this was in an age 1987 or whatever where it's like if you jerked off you were gay really and like being, what kind of fucking world you grow up in well i grew up in that catholic jewish kids were like you jerking you know, off yeah i'm jerking off really yeah. how often do you jerk off twice a day really that's good well Wait. it wasn't until i was in high school that that really became a topic for dudes Oh, so you mean when you're 11 or 12, you're, you're... Yeah, when I was 11, like, it was, you know... You are probably ahead of the pack. And being gay was, like, a real big problem, because you were going to burn in hell for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're so, also going to burn in hell for just jerking off. Yeah, so, so it's, it's like, you're double... jerking off, that means you're you're, you're touching a dick, so you want to touch a dick, so you must be gay. Really? That was uh, the thought? You're, I mean... I guess that makes you know, sense. You're a little kid, you don't know much. Right, so, right. So, uh... So then I go outside afterwards to go play. Full of shame. Full of shame. And I just, they all know. They yeah. all just know I've just yeah. jerked off. The peacemaker is dark. Yeah. And so then, you know, sometimes I would just, I would just kind of like go home from school and just jerk off. <laughs> really? And then yeah, just yeah. like lay in shame? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just lay in shame. Now, did your grandmother, did you feel guilty around your grandmother after that? Did Once you started jerking I off? I tried and- not to think about it when I was around my grandmother. I mean, like, I mean, I felt guilty because I, because I also started smoking cigarettes at the same time. At 11? I kind of had a hard break from this, like, God thing. I, like, I went, like, I was- At 11? I went all in. After That's when you I first masturbated smoked. and then yeah. you smoked? That's when I smoked for, for the first time. Now, how did your, did time. your grandmother characterize the, uh, the battle that you were supposed to lead? Did you, was Not there- really. I mean, my grandma mostly had stuff about, like, you're very special, um, you know, Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime, so you'll be able to witness that. Um, and then she would fill me with other stories. Like she went to Medjugorje, which is like a retreat place for like, you know, Catholics uh-huh. uh, where miracles all always happen. And then she would always just tell me about, oh, some some priest found a diary in an ancient ruin and it has all these predictions. And, you know, there's going to, Virgin Mary's going to appear over New York City on Christmas Eve. And so I'd go to school and I'd tell all my friends, the Virgin Mary's going to appear over New York City on Christmas Eve and there's going to be a great punishment and all this other kind of stuff. And then none of it would ever happen. Uh, and so everybody would be like, hey, Peacemaker, what happened? I thought the Virgin well, Mary was what's, there. What's your mother doing? Where's she at? She's just kind of, you know, being, she she's still Catholic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know really anymore, but at the time she was. So your parents are married at this time when you're 11 yeah. and jerking off mm-hmm. and smoking cigarettes. What's smoking your old cigarette. man? Your old man's pretty Catholic. Yeah, also raised in a Catholic family. Yeah, What's pretty he do? Catholic. He's a judge now, but at the time he was a lawyer. Uh huh. And or he was in law school when I was very young. Oh but, really? Uh, yeah. And so I just learned the other day we were on food stamps. My mom would probably be, would get pissed off if I told people because she's kind of she likes status and that yeah. kind of thing. But uh, I just learned the other day. Not a great time. lawyer then, huh? Well, no, not yet. No. Uh-huh. Oh, he, well, you mean when he was in law school? When sure. he was in law school. And so then, you know, then he went into title, the title business. Had a title business, got pretty successful. Then it crashed in like the early 90s in that recession. I don't even happened. know what it is. And then it's like when people, when you buy a house, you uh-huh. have to sign a title and that uh-huh. kind of shit. And then, uh, and then he kind of built it back up after almost going bankrupt and then got a job as a judge. Got a job as a judge. Well, I mean, he, he ran for, uh, he, you have to be elected because uh-huh. he was a county judge and he actually, his first time he ever ran for election, I was, I just dropped out of college and I was moving to Los Angeles to do stand-up. And as I was very young. And I moved, be, oh, so you came out here before? I've been out here a bunch of times. <laughs> like failure, I've really embraced failure. Oh, right. So you came out and you fought the beast. I fought the beast. And then you and, went back. Yeah, I went back. I had, you know, my first mental breakdown. Well, I, I've never had a second one, but... Uh, Anyway, I moved with a guy whose dad. Hold on, hold on. I moved with a guy who uh, my dad was running against. It was his father. Oh, really? Yeah. So we had a bet at the time. Whoever's dad won the election, the other person had to. Well, give let's him up. let's 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 backtrack. So you're jerking off. You're smoking cigarettes. You're eleven. Your mom's Catholic. You're dealing with your dad, uh, being a lawyer. When did they break up? When I was about uh, sixteen. And he was already a judge. No, not yet. Uh. He wasn't a judge until about seven years ago. 
And what kind of judge is he? Conservative judge? He is conservative, but uh, he's a Republican, but I think he would probably declare himself more of a, he probably leans libertarian. So he's not a social conservative, he's a fiscal conservative and- uh, But very socially progressive. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's okay with you jerking off and being gay. Yeah, I mean, he recently just, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He recently started a uh, woman's court in uh, Montgomery County, Ohio, which I think there's only one other uh, court like it uh, in the country. And he's, you know, really into, like, fighting human trafficking. I mean, he's, my dad is probably the best dude I know. That's good. Yeah. And you get along? Oh, yeah, we get along great. He's okay with your life decisions? Yeah, he is. I think he's filled with worry. Yeah. But uh, they, that's That's okay. usually what it is. Yeah. They're concerned. But always been very supportive. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And your mom? Yeah, always supportive as well. You get along with her all right? Get along with her all right, you know? She's, uh, we kind of have like a reverse relationship, though. And what does that like, mean? Like, I'm almost- The parent? I have to tell her, like, you need to call me back. <laughs> oh, no. And she'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I know. I and she's out there on the, on the horse farm? No, she's out, she lives with my stepdad in just the suburbs. How's that guy? He's great. Oh, good. He's an architect guy. He's a real, uh, this is how This is how he uh, introduces himself oh, to yeah. everybody. He says, uh, Jim Tinney, Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> Like, to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. That's how he introduces himself. Mm -hmm. Guy who's been working since he was 14 years old. He's like 71 now, and I think he's being, like, forced into retirement by my mom. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, what's the guy? He's the kind of guy who doesn't know what he's doing. She better be careful what she hopes for. Yeah, right? You get the guy that can't stop working, and you make him stop working. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to be around each other all day, because both of them need hearing aids, but they won't admit it. So it's just, like, constant arguments over things that the other person... They think is ignoring them right. when they just don't hear each other. I think I'm getting to that point. I'm, I'm yelling at my girlfriend, like, can, can you just talk like in a normal tone so I don't have to be like, what? What? Have you had your hearing tested recently? What? Exactly. I have not had it tested. You should. I mean, I don't know why. It's a vanity thing, I guess. Why people don't want hearing aids. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't think I need a hearing aid. So you, what, you made it through high school? Made it through high school. You smoking a lot of cigarettes? Smoking lots of cigarettes. But, and Dipping, doing... chewing tobacco. I mean, I'm a Southern Ohio boy. Tell me point. about that fucking double thing, that horrible thing you told me about dipping where you do a full face. What is that thing? Oh, the you... mouthpiece? Ugh. Oh my God, yeah. The mouthpiece. I think I only tried the mouthpiece once. It's when you fill your upper lip and your lower lip with just dip. And it's the worst. You can't breathe or you can't do anything. Your mouth just- But is dipping cunt. is so specific. It's like, it's not, I didn't grow up with it. I can't keep that shit together in my mouth. I would have, but like you just, you're you one of those You gotta get guys. the long cut. That's why. I know, but you could dip regular Copenhagen, couldn't you? Sure. I, I For a while, I did do regular Copenhagen. But it's like, where'd you learn that shit? Is that just a my buddy, thing? My buddy Eric Nagel taught me. Well, the only re- and the only reason I dipped, because I was, I was never that drawn to it other than the fact that I loved baseball mm-hmm. and a ton of baseball players dipped right and so i don't know the first time i ever tried it dude i mean i must have been 15 yeah i almost fell down the steps i was buzzing so hard yeah and i was like yeah i'm doing this (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing this dude i mean because that's how it was with cigarettes too like i also heard that cigarettes lowered your voice that's why i started smoking because i was like the last one of all my friends to hit puberty uh-huh. So I kind of had a high pitched voice. I was like, "Oh, I don't know where I even heard that shit." And now, and then, and then that, and that leads to like me and you being stuck in a lifelong struggle with fucking nicotine. Yeah, I mean, I've been about three months clean now. But you're on and off. You're throwing the book at me. You've given me that book three times. Yeah, I've read that book seventeen times. <laughs> it works every time I read it. I mean, someone's like, "I think you might be addicted to reading the book," and I was like, "Well, maybe I should just smoke again so I can get another hit. <laughs> get another hit of that book, kid." That's a, the way the addict mind justifies doing it. I do think about. I mean. I, 
Although when I see smokers now, I kind of pity them, you know, when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. But when it's summertime, I'm like, oh, they're living it. They're living the dream. I, I stay on these lozenges and it doesn't, like, I don't really think about smoking the actual cigarettes because it just, to me, it's just like fucking death sticks, like just burning my lungs out. But you did, you, when you go out, you fucking go out. When I go out, I'm like, this last time over this past summer, uh, when I went out, dude, I was, I, you know, because it'd been almost five years since I had done it. So I wasn't in the e-cig game yeah. and all that kind of stuff. These were all new. So I was e-cigging, dipping, smoking. I never did stogies. What's never your brand? Really I do camel lights or Marlboro lights. Although mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I loved Newports or like Salem lights. Yeah, I was a Marlboro Red. See, I, never went, I never went Marlboro Reds. Those were a little too... I did the mediums for a while. Yeah, they weren't around when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I remember when Marlboro lights came out. Yeah. Like light cigarettes, right? There was only, there was regular cigarettes and Merits or True. You know, those were the ones. And those were awful. Merits So you remember when they came out and now they can't even call them lights anymore. Well, now there's 90 different types of Marlboros. They're just trying to figure out how to keep people smoking those things. I eventually switched to Marlboro lights and Camel lights. I thought Camel lights were more like Marlboros. I tried Winston's. I tried Camel Straits. I tried Lucky Strikes. I've tried Pall Malls, Old Golds, because Tom Waits talked about Old Golds. There was a period there in high school (laughs) where I smoked every fucking cigarette. Newports, because somebody mentioned, I think Keith Richards mentioned Newports once. Marlboro Menthols, which were hard to find, which made those cool because the box was like the red box, but it was green. Yeah, But you couldn't find them. They weren't around much. I tried Balkan Sabrina. Fancy cigarettes, Nat Sherman fancy cigarettes. I fucking love cigarettes. Of I even any tried kind. those skinny ones. Those uh, no. I call them the Slim Jim ones no. or whatever. Those lady no. cigarettes. Those no I even tried those. Virginia I, Slims. Virginia Slims. That's yeah. that's the one. There were always dudes that smoked those. They were like weird old Southern guys would smoke yeah. those things. The long thin ones. I never did the holder though. The cigarette holder. No, I tried it, but it was stupid. There was some no filter cigarettes. Were like you know I'm glad I couldn't handle it physically, but they were the best. First fucking, cigarette I ever smoked was a Camel non filter. Camel non filters were good, but Lucky's were great. Lucky's taste great. There's a sweetness to them. They smell good. <laughs> Your eyes are all lit yeah. up right up. Palm Mall's not bad. The Palm Mall no filter, pretty yeah. good. Pretty good cigarette. I think the the appeal to the non filter to me was like, oh, this is like drugs. Yeah, it's hardcore. Yeah. But it's hard to maintain because you can't smoke as many as you want because they literally hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> and they burn your fucking fingertips. Yeah. And you and get all lips. brown. I've had brown fingers, dude. You ever had brown fingers? Yeah. I Well, I've never had brown fingers as much as I've had just like totally white gums, which is the scariest moment of I my life. I just remembered the brown fingers thing. How much did I have to fucking smoke? A, a ton. Like I had fucking brown fingers, dude. I never got brown fingers. And I got just slightly sort of yellowish, but I never went brown. Never well, went I mean, yeah, brown. but you were nicotine stain on your fucking fingers. Yeah, the worst. Yeah, I, I remember having that and just being like, I guess I'm... I mean, I would smoke a pack and a half a day at the high point. Oh, man. I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm not dying. I smoked a lot of cigarettes, dude. <laughs> We're all dying. I know. Oh, I was I, I was fantasizing about a Lucy the other day. Like, just one of those Lucys. What are they? Oh, just a loose cigarette? One of oh, those yeah, yeah, ones yeah. where you just put it wherever you can yeah, find yeah. to put it? Like, I was like, oh, man. Those places Lucy. sell them for a nickel? Oh, yeah. Like so. Yeah, I got into- uh, So, I don't know. I don't know what- I'll for, smoke a cigar every once in a while, but I got to be careful I with I could never too. get into them. Yeah. I right, can't so, help I can't help but inhale. So you make it through high school. I make it through high school. Dipping and smoking and dipping and smoking. Did you do well in high school? I did okay. I I, I was like a C And then did you go to I college? Never try. I didn't do anything. I didn't try. Driving around smoking and drinking. What about drugs? Drugs, I was uh I smoked a lot of weed in high yeah. school. Uh, a friend of mine, his dad, we figured out he figured out his dad yeah. grew it on their farm. 
Oh, and he had found a freezer it? full of it. Of buds? And so I smoked weed almost every day from like middle of my sophomore year through the end of my high school career. Uh, I miss for weed. For free. I miss it. God damn it. We would just have bonfires and just stare at, you know, yeah. UFOs and shit. Yeah. I, the first time I ever smoked weed was out of a corn cob pipe that I made with a pocket knife and a hollow stick. And it was a magical moment mm-hmm. in my life. And then, uh, unfortunately, the dude's mom figured out that we were smoking her husband, his dad's weed. And I remember one night we are at this bonfire, right, just smoking weed, having a good time, being listening to Hank Jr., yeah, having the best time of our life. Right? Well, Hank Jr., yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> and uh, so... And all of a sudden, his dad shows up with a wheelbarrow just filled with bricks of marijuana. And then next thing you know, you see, and he's got a look on his face that's like, he's going to kill somebody. Yeah. And then his mom shows up and she goes, do it. And then he has to dump all of the weed onto the bonfire. And that was probably the first time I saw a grown man cry. And I I was like, I'm never going to see my buddy again. What was the point of that? She found out that we were smoking it, and so she made him burn it all. As, as what? An example? or I guess. So what a we, fucked up weird thing to and do. And so then it was about a month later, or maybe a month or two later, when he's like, it's, the supply's been replenished, you know, so he, he was growing. You know, he Who, your buddy? It. Yeah, yeah. So then we were back in the game. <laughs> I don't even understand the mental, the logic of that. Yeah, I don't was know. It to, to, she was to, also our like kindergarten teacher when we were kids. You oh, know? so it was to, to to like she was punishing him mm-hmm. as an example to you that weed yeah. is bad. Like she just caught him or something. Yeah. Look so, what you did to these kids. Now go show them. Yeah. These Holy ki- fuck. These, ki- these kids believe in magic now. You yeah. really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> How do you feel, Satan? <laughs> yeah. So, but it was weird because. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, then when I was about 21, 22, like we just broke in my brain and just didn't, it wasn't. And then I started having panic and anxiety attacks when I'd get high and it just stopped being fun. So yeah. I was like, well, the only reason I did it is because it was so much fun. Did you move on to other narcotics? Um, not until I was older. Yeah. Uh, when I got, when I was like, I don't know, maybe 27, I got into cocaine for a little while. Oh, that's later. But So what happened? Yeah. So you, did you go to college? I uh, went to college, went to uh, Bowling Green State University for about four years, studied theater, dropped out. I was like, you know, no one's asking De Niro for his diploma. When but did you set. do plays and stuff? Um, I did like one one uh, short, uh, what are they called, one-act plays. Yeah. The only reason I studied theater is because I knew I wanted to do stand-up. And I was like, I need to get comfortable on stage. When did you know that? Uh, probably when I was in high school. Why? Because, uh, yeah, I, my family, all the adults, all mm-hmm. my aunts and uncles, they would, they'd be laughing their ass off watching Carson. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, that's... I want to make adults laugh. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. That's that's where the juice is. Fuck yeah. my fuck my friends. Right. But uh, if you can make an adult laugh, you're doing something. Right. And I was like, so then I realized what stand up comedy was. Right. And who were your guys? My guys uh, very early on were you know Cosby and uh, mostly Richard Pryor. I loved him and yeah. Carlin, but because I remember the first the first album I ever heard was himself, mm-hmm. which I no longer own. But the uh, I mean all that Cosby. Shit, so it's just so. So that whole thing is so loaded now. Yeah. But uh, but then the first album I ever tried to listen to was Is It Something I Said by Pryor. Right. My dad had the vinyl in his trunk, and I was with him and my uncle, and they were shopping, and they popped the trunk, and I grabbed that album because I wanted to listen to it. I was just a kid. Yeah. Because it just looked cool. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't Because he's in hell. Yeah. He's like, you can't listen to this, but you, you can listen to this one. And he gave me himself instead. And the first album- That's I so have, funny. You, yeah. can, you can listen to the, the, uh, the family-friendly black man. Exactly. Yeah. So then uh, the first comedy album CD I ever bought was 
the is it something I said? And now when my dad and I are on long, if we're on a road trip, we'll listen to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Isn't it fun to listen to a comedy record with somebody, and especially one that you know, where you're both kind of looking at each other, oh yeah, thing, and you hope it still works. Oh yeah, is it still going to work that joke for yeah. us? Yeah, that and, it and, does. and that album sure does. Oh yeah, it's great. All right, so so you drop out of your theater program, and what you go back to Dayton and you pack your car. What happens? Yeah, go to Dayton. You don't save, do any stand up yet. Save up some money. I think I'd been on. I think I did open mic maybe a handful of times, Where? maybe three or four times at a club in Dayton called Jokers, which is closed now when a funny bone moved in. But uh, I did maybe three or four open mics, and I was like, I'm ready for the Tonight Show. And you were doing your crazy shit. I was just yeah, I was all over the place. I was doing like one of my big bits at the time was I was skull fucking the devil. Uh, that was like you know it's like so you'd seen some hicks. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I was also yeah, I was a big yeah, Kinnison guy yeah, too, yeah, you know, because sure. of all the uh, the religious stuff. I yeah, really, yeah. I could really relate to. He's got some great religious stuff. Yeah, and so uh, I moved out to L.A. You did that thing, got a job at the Ice House, working the box office. You moved to L.A. in what year? Gosh, I think it was like ninety nine. Wow, it must have been ninety nine. Okay, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a stand up now, and I was I don't know maybe twenty two years old, twenty three years old at the most. And where are you living? I was living in uh, Burbank. Uh-huh. with my buddy in an the apartment. guy whose father ran for judge yeah whose dad beat my dad oh really the, the first yeah. time uh-huh so but your dad eventually got elected he eventually got appointed because someone retired oh, so okay. the governor appointed him or whatever <laughs> so you're with that dude you're yeah. both judges kids yeah we're is both he judges catholic kids. too uh yeah uh-huh and so we uh his what's dad, he want to do out here he was he moved out to be an actor and he had graduated from bowling green and how'd he do is he still out here oh uh, yeah he's still out here is he working no, I don't think he's doing acting anymore. Oh, okay, but he but he stayed out here. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So I moved out there, and then I'm I'm also working at some Scientology title company in Glendale. You're, okay, so you're working the door at the Ice House. I'm working the box office. Okay, so you so, got in with what? So I got name? in, and so then, uh, but I was losing. I didn't work there very long because I was losing money working there because I would always try to. I would sneak away from the box office to go try to peek in because like, oh, Arsenio Hall showed up to do a drop in set. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's a good <laughs> so, club. Yeah, and so I would sneak away, I'd come back, and they had so many different tickets that I would always, always fuck it up. Right. So I'd have to go to the ATM that's still in the bar there, and so I'd have to take out? like 30 bucks every night. Because you fucked to, up the Because I didn't want to get fired. Because right. I'd, I'd fuck it. I'd, so I was like losing money working there. Yeah. And it wasn't very long because uh, it wasn't shortly after that I just kind of like had a split from, I just freaked out and had a meltdown and moved back. What does that mean, dude? You can't I don't just... know. I was just driving around my car screaming. Wait, so myself. you're doing, you're watching comedy, you're losing money, you're working for the Scientologist. Did they ever come after you? No. Uh, how'd you know it was Scientology front? Because uh, a dude of my, uh, a friend of mine, a guy I made buddies with who was working there, he was like behind me in a cubicle. Yeah. He told me that everybody here's a Scientologist, man. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh yeah? And he's like, oh yeah, you can't talk about it. And then one day he's like, I got this book, I need to give it to you. It's in my trunk, but don't say anything about it. I was like, okay, whatever. And then like an hour later, this woman who was like the boss, she shows up and I overheard this conversation. I can't remember his name. I think it was Corey. She's like, Corey, we know you have that book. Because he had gotten in, but then gotten out somehow, right? Scientologist? Yeah. And uh, like he started to go into it and then pulled himself out. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, she's like, we know you have that book. Give it to us or we will come take it from you. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? And then it was the weirdest thing. And then we get in an elevator to go to lunch and she hit the up button instead of the down. And everybody on the elevator freaked out. Because she made a mistake, like a mechanical mistake, which she was like, 
advanced enough in Scientology where she wasn't supposed to make those kind of mistakes anymore. And everybody just fucking lo- like was freaking out. And I'm like, I can't be working. This is crazy. <laughs> Wait, how were they freaking out? Like, oh, they were no. just like, oh my god, you, you. And she goes, I don't know how. I, I, I don't. I've never. I don't. And they're like, what did you? Do you hit the? And I'm like, what the fuck? She hit the wrong button, man. I do that shit every day. Yeah. But uh, and that was your sign. And so I was just kind of like driving around, like screaming at myself, like, what is, you know, and I kind of had like a mental, I don't, it was weird, man. I don't know. I was just like super, like, I was just lost. But totally like, what was your head doing? My head was like filled with anger and it was filled with just confusion. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was also having like this religious relapse is where it was kind of coming from. Like, what is the purpose of my life? Like an existential crisis, I guess, is what you call it. So you were mad at yourself that you weren't doing comedy? Or you probably that was a big part of it because I wasn't doing stand up at all. And like, you know, being out here without a purpose is horrifying. Yeah. Because you know that everything you want to do is in some office somewhere. Sure. Or on a stage and you just get isolated in this weird way and your brain goes away. That happened to me, man. But I was on a lot of coke. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't in that yet. I was like, uh, I I was still drinking. You know, I was just drinking every once in a while. But, you know, I never. Were there women involved? No, I mean, I was living on a mattress in the corner of the apartment at this oh, point. Oh, that's a worst. With like a tapestry just blocking me off. And one of our roommates and her and her boyfriend were always up super late at night smoking weed and yeah. watching TV, which was like four feet away from my bed. Oh, so so like, I never I never slept because I was working two jobs. Sleep deprivation's bad. Yeah, I was sleep deprived. And, and I was it's that just, classic yeah. sort of like LA hopelessness where you're, you've sacrificed all the comforts of life to sort of pursue this vague dream and you're sleeping on a fucking floor. Yeah, it was the worst. And then uh, one day I just had a, I just started slowly cracking a little bit, right? And then I started having, well, I'm doing the most selfish profession in the world. Stand-up comedy. It's solitary. Like, everyone needs to pay spots? attention to me. No, but I'm saying like in my mind, right, my okay. dream, right? So my dream the, life. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to burn in hell. That's like the most selfish thing you can be. Like, uh, And so then I, oh, wow. so so I, go back to, I go back to Ohio and I just don't leave like the house for like weeks. I just, I'm like totally just locked into this religious like- Beating the shit yeah, out of yourself. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna burn in hell. I need to. Fucking, you, I need to get my life back. Did to you I'm seek a, your grandmother for counsel? No, I didn't. I just I didn't seek anybody. Did you go for to church? Counsel. I started going to church. Oh boy. Um, I started, uh, but I couldn't get away from stand up, so I got a job waiting tables at a club. Which one, Jokers? Jokers. Uh-huh. And because uh, I, even though I was like, I'm not doing this, you know, subconsciously my brain was like, you're not getting away from this. But shit, you're like, right? it's like almost that weird self-flagellation thing. Like you felt like you deserved to be punished. Sure. And that's that Catholic thing. Yeah. Right? And uh, so I go back to school and I'm studying social work. So I'm oh, like, you're going to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And then after about like a semester or a couple quarters of social work, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to make $30,000 a year uh-huh. and I'm not even going to like this job. Right. No. Yeah. And so then I transitioned to creative writing and ended up graduating like two years after that. But the uh, and then creative started, writing degree, yeah, uh, liberal arts degree, uh huh, uh huh, and then started doing stand up again after that. But like, how the, long did it take for the shit to simmer down? Oh, like the uh, religious thing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, what happened? Like, it came to a head at some point where I remember one time I'm laying in bed and like a car drove down the street. I was living at my dad's house in like a guest room, and the headlights went through the leaves, and like they they cascaded across the wall. Yeah, and I I thought that they were like. The demons, you know, in the movie Ghost, when the demons come up and take the bad guy and suck him down through the street or whatever. I don't yeah. remember that. But I was like, oh, the, I'm, and then I felt my body getting sucked down through the mattress. Uh-huh. Maybe it was sleep paralysis. I'm not exactly sure. But, and I'm like, and then I come out of that and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, 
religion's supposed to be like a puppy. It's like a dog or something. It's supposed to make your life better and not trap you mm-hmm. and be a prisoner to it. So then I drove to the highest point in town. So hack, right? And uh, cliche, I, and I challenge God. Out loud? Um, yeah, all out loud. I'm throwing rocks at this guy even. What are you saying? And, uh, I'm saying, if you exist, show me a sign you exist. Show me, I don't believe you exist. This is your bullshit. Show me a sign. And then I had this moment where I'm like, oh man, this is like so, this is so hacky, like what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, everybody challenges God. And then I had this moment where but I'm it's like- biblical. You're yeah, on a yeah. mountain. You've, you're still sure. hung up with mountains. Yeah. And so then, but in my mind at the time, it's a stand-up comedy part of my brain yeah that was like you know what's not hacky selling your soul to the devil well it's not as hacky anyway like nobody does that so then not I made, anymore it's not as popular yeah so i made a deal with the devil on that the mountain night. i said if you are real you will show yourself to me you can have me the devil you, you give me everything i want right and uh because i because here was my brain my logic was like you know what if the devil exists that means by default, God exists. Uh-huh. So, you know, A equals B equals C. So right. I'm going to trick the devil into proving to me that God is real. Right. And even though the devil knows I'm doing that, the devil is cocky enough to think, well, it doesn't matter. And you were, not, you were strong enough in your will. Of course, right? And, uh, <laughs> and I do get everything I want to uh-huh. this day, but it just takes a long time. But did the devil I reveal himself? No. Oh, so no one showed up. Yeah, I mean, up until six months ago, I was driving a 99 Camry. I don't know, do you think the devil's real? <laughs> I still got three roommates. It might be very real. Yeah, you might maybe, be very real. maybe you missed when he gave you everything. Yeah. There was a day there. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's conditional. So after that happened, man, after I sold my soul to the devil, um I life's been good. And I got back on the uh It doesn't sound like you owe him much. No. Yeah, I sure it, don't. Uh, maybe he hasn't delivered yet. Yeah, maybe times maybe the hey, maybe it's tough economy for the devil. Maybe, maybe it's time to tough. go back up on the mountain and say, like, I thought we had a deal. Maybe that's why I go up there every day. <laughs> what happened to the deal? Yeah, what happened to the deal, man? <laughs> oh god. Yeah, so that all simmered down and then eventually, you know, I started doing stand up all the time and then it, it was like one of those things too where uh I was like, you know what, I quit doing this once. Yeah. Now I'm never now now it's like I'm not quitting until I'm dead. Right. It was like one of those, like, I get, I make ultimatums too many, too much with myself. But that's one you've stuck with. That's one I've definitely stuck with, yeah. Because, all right, so, well, that's, I guess that's, uh, that's the devil working through you. You've made a commitment. Yeah. It's given you everything you want. And now there's no way out. No way out. No way out. There isn't, dude. There, is, there really isn't. And thank God. I know that personally, that like when, (laughs) when it all goes away. But I think that there's probably an opportunity for you being a a lapsed believer in in uh, for reals that you know if it ever all goes away you'll just go like all right Jesus okay here we go Jesus <laughs> I, these crystals aren't it. working anymore I, I get it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I got tiger's eye in my pocket this is supposed to give me money I guess I'll pray to Jesus instead <laughs> yeah finally I came around to Jesus yeah. but uh, but you know what so. What were your models like when you were working? So you started, because uh, you're a big road dog now, and you do a lot of those rooms, and you're headlining now, and what, you just, your third record they yeah. just put out? Yeah. What's that one called again? Immortal for Now. Immortal for Now. Yes. And you you did the back, the picture on the back. In Joshua Tree. In Joshua Tree, with no Joshua Trees. With no Joshua Trees. It, did, was I the first guy to say that to you? You're <laughs> you like, were, I went to Joshua Tree. It, it was so funny because it was like two days after I showed you the photo, too. Yeah. I was like, how long have you been thinking about this? <laughs> Has this been bothering you? <laughs> I was like, you, you went to Joshua Tree for the for the moment, for the spiritual uh, juice, 
Not one Joshua tree in the fucking picture. Yeah, it just worked out that way. I think that was the best photo we just randomly took. Because it wasn't like a photo shoot. It was just like, it was just me and my buddy Brooks and we were just kind of walking around exploring. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So what, we're all just supposed to know it was Joshua Tree? No, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Okay, it matters to you? Well, I mean, it's cool to me to know that it was taken in Joshua Tree just because, of, you know, Joshua Tree is kind of loaded with all that mythology from the past. So but. now as I know you, you've gone through different manifestations of, uh, of you've, done, you've done the three CDs, you've done your, your crazy web series, uh, you know, uh, you've been in and out of relationships with kooky girls. You don't seem to be, the drugs seem to be behind you. What the hell was that period? How long did that go on for where the cocaine? That probably went around for about three years. I mean, I, I don't think I ever hit a true rock bottom with the drugs. Yeah. The, I'll never forget it. Like one of my first feature weekends ever, which was a big week for me, was Geraldo was headlining. Mm-hmm. And I got the week to be a feature act. Uh, it, Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited about it. And we were in the green room just talking about like things. And Great drugs. guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to, you know, do a bunch of coke. And uh, me and my buddies would just do coke and play speed chess. Yeah. You know, because you get 30 seconds to make a move. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. Gerardo was just sitting in the green room. He looks at me and he goes, yeah, sounds like a real rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little beyond my scope here, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I, uh, so I never really, I think two weeks, every day for two weeks. Did you some blow with Geraldo? No. You didn't? No, he was- uh, He was in a clean period? He was in a clean period as, as far as I can tell. I mean, what a great week though. Hey, he was great. He was great. Who else did you feature for that blew your mind? That made you go like, oh, I'm going to, I got work to do. Oh man, there was, there's been a lot of people that have really made me like feel like I got a lot of work to do. Geraldo was one of them for sure. Cause I looked, I went back and listened to those tapes Yeah, and I was just like, oh my God, how did he put up with me? opening for him if i was him i would have been like get this fucking kid like his my opening joke at the time was hey you don't know who i am and thank god you don't because if i was famous i'd be a goddamn monster like i was like okay this is how the next 30 minutes is gonna go (laughs) defying yeah defying like you so uh ron shock was a guy when i was uh, younger uh i remember he would come through wiley's his comedy club in dayton about twice a year and oh man he was so goddamn good and i remember one time he just murdered and he comes off stage he, and I'd hung out. I would just, I was a wallflower there, you know, yeah. I was just there all the time. And um, he just looks at me, he comes off stage after just murdering for like an hour and 15 minutes. He goes, Ryan, that's how you do stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and then walks off. And I was like, you know what, Ron? I'm not hanging out tonight. I'm going to go home and write. Yeah. It was like one o'clock on a Saturday. And I he had such a, a slow groove, too, you yeah. know? He's and like, uh, there was a guy named John, uh, John Capanero. I know him. Uh, you know, John. He, uh, John Campanera. Campanera. And, uh, the He's first great time, comic. Yeah, the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, you can layer, you can level your jokes. You can have multiple levels to these jokes. A joke doesn't have to just stop. And he had a lot of juice, too, a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah. he was great. Because uh, I remember, like, all those guys would come through. Wiley's, like, Ken Rogerson would come through. Kenny Rogerson, so funny. the best. So funny. His jokes are so good. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Go Bananas, I saw, you know, Stan Hope. Yeah. Uh, who just blew me away. And then, uh, you know, all those, like... But, you know, not all of, and I saw Hedberg, because he mm-hmm. would come through uh, Jokers. Mm-hmm. She would bring uh, him through here. Well, that's a great privilege, a like, you know, when you, you sort of abide by the sort of system and the, you know, the, to live it. Like, uh, like I, you know, I spent my life sitting around comedy clubs, even when you're not on. You're just sitting there chomping at the bit. You know, like when I worked at the store, but then back in Boston at Catch a Rising Star, you just go every night and just watch this shit. 
it's interesting the guys you chose because those are all fucking solid for a lot of different reasons you know there's some real vision to all of them and i guess so you know over the years you realize that you could do exactly what you want to do just got to make it work sure and you don't then, have to abide by the audience because none of those guys really do campanera's a a mainstream act but you know he he was his own thing i haven't seen him in a long time yeah i mean i, I haven't either but I, I think i reached a level at some point where i learned you know what you got to learn some jokes you gotta learn how to write a joke yeah i know it took me a long time to learn that too. And, I, uh, I knew that they were there i always knew i had to do jokes but it's like how do you do them for the ones that you you make your own exactly how's that fucking happen the first time i ever got a week the first week i ever got was featuring a, was just a thursday and a sunday featuring and, and i was like you know what i knew it i knew i was going to skip the mc spot yeah this kid's got it yeah you know this is after five years of not getting a fucking bone thrown his way right yeah and i'm like i got it and bobcat goldthwaite was uh headlining uh at wiley's comedy club yeah and uh but they didn't even have me mc friday and saturday they didn't even trust me to mc right so they threw me up on thursday and sunday to feature and i was like oh okay my career here we go yeah you know yeah tonight show here we come uh-huh. and then i didn't get another mc week from that club or at work from that club again for years and then I think slowly but surely I started working the other club in town. Well, what happened? Week. Well, why did you be a feature spot out of nowhere? I think the, the manager of the club really liked me. Yeah. And thought I had potential. Convinced the, the owner of the club to give it to me. So then it was, I, I started, challenged myself to try to write some clean jokes. Yeah. Just so I could MC and learn how to do that. And then eventually uh, started getting work that way. Well, sure. you're very compelled now. I mean, like, you know, I talked to you, you know, you're at different levels of enlightenment, you're at different uh, stages of not doing things or doing things. Uh, you've got yourself into minor trouble here and there. I'm very, I, I fly by the seat of my pants, maybe yeah. a little too much. But uh, but you do have a, a system. What's the system these days? The system is, you know, I try to yeah, I try to lock in, do work every day, try yeah. to keep myself motivated. I got to hit the mountain. You got to hit the mountain. Gotta hit what the does mountain. that mean for it, those of us? Go hiking. Just get outside. Yeah. Uh, just get outside and go get away from everything. Yeah. And just dump all that bullshit out. Because do you meditate? Matters. I try to meditate on the mountain now. Yeah. Um, what, do you sit down? I just sit down and I just kind of stare at a tree. Do you have crystals on you now? I do have crystals on me now. Can I see? Yeah. I have, um, I have just tiger's eye mm-hmm. and... Uh, I just got some. Chris Garcia, your friend of mine, yes. just the other night uh, gave me a bunch of crystals as gifts. Uh-huh. We were doing a three-year anniversary show of the show we do, Underbelly. This is Tiger's Eye. Yeah. Uh, that's supposed to like help you get money or something. Uh-huh. And uh, this is, oh shit, how did I forget what this one was already? Was that, oh, that's Apache, is that Apache Tears? You asking me? It looks like it, yes. yeah. Yeah. And um, that's supposed to, like I think, bring balance between uh, extremes. So uh-huh. I was like, oh, that'd be a good one to have uh-huh. because I'm, you know- Sometimes I feel like you and I have that kind of relationship yeah. where I'm a little too overly optimistic sometimes and you can be a little bit more skeptical. So we kind of have a balance. In the yeah, world. there's a balance. But I, I think that uh, like I've grown to learn about you is that you're you're kind of painfully optimistic just because at any given point you could be sucked into a dark <laughs> hole of fucking nothingness. <laughs> Over breakfast, if you're not careful. Yeah, sure. And I mean, I also have the Circle of Solomon around my neck. Yeah. Uh, which is supposed to protect you from the gin. From the gym? The gin, which is the D-J-I-N-N, which are like the shape-shifting shadow people, tricksters of the night. Uh-huh. There's this book I was reading on him, and uh, I got, while I was reading the book, I was getting- You mean comics? Admi- admittedly scared. <laughs> <laughs> you mean all of our peers? They protect you from yeah, the yeah, show yeah. business? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the one that'll keep you out of work. <laughs> 
good <laughs> job on misinterpreting the jinn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what you're in the. That's the business. <laughs> <laughs> and there is, I, I get the fact too. Like part of me really loves when there's like stigma attached to something uh, that might be because you never know. There's a lot of loaded things I get into, like as far as one like the paranormal and all that kind of mystical stuff. And I do get that a lot of it's fanciful. And I remember one time I was hiking. And I was just at the top of this hill in town. I'm looking at like there was a couple of helicopters flying around. Planes were ascending and some were landing. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, man, you know, 100,000 years ago, there might have been a human being ancestor just sitting here wondering what all this could turn into someday. Yeah. And I remember even I remember saying out loud just to myself, like, OK, there's a limit to how much whimsy you can have yeah. at some point without just floating off the globe uh-huh. you know so I, got, I do try to find it is important for me to get grounded uh within reality at times Are, do you do that i think no, you I can't avoid to. it no you can't avoid it. i mean because life, life unless you're nuts you but i think what, what i see with you and and i think because i've gone through my own crystal periods and conspiracy periods is that you know you make choices to to you know you have you have some control if you're not out of your mind and you don't let yourself get out of your mind over the you know the context of your perception do you know what i mean it's like you can it's like you know are there ufos i'm gonna i'm gonna choose to say no because i don't have time yeah it's like what can you fit what can you fit into your mind right there might be you know it's fine but like let someone else do that research and i'll be pleasantly surprised (laughs) sure or or terrified when they show up but i'm not going to spend my life i would be terrified Okay, fine. I know you've put thought into it. You said that with some earnestness and you do. No, but like, but I think that one thing, you know, from talking to you that we know is that, you know, you were wired with the ability to believe. Oh, I got that blueprint, man. Right. Yeah, that that mystical, crazy blueprint. And it's like, it's so it's easy for me to latch on to this, this other world. Right. But don't lose your mind. Oh, no, no. I believe that it's it's more fun to believe. I'll, I will share with you the quote from Tom McGuane that I share occasionally. The mind is not a boomerang. If you throw it too far, it will not come back. <laughs> yeah, I do worry about that. Well, you should, you fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got, a, I got a decent grasp on the idea that, you know, you can only go so far with certain things. I do like pushing to edges. Well, like, what's this podcast you do? It's called Me and Paranormal You. And how often and do you put it up? I put it up twice a week. Really? Yeah, I do. uh, On Tuesdays, I do like a half hour. uh, I call it a third year bonus, Uh uh, where it's just me doing research on a subject that comes up a bunch. Uh Uh, For example, I just put one up on uh, the do easy method. I don't know if you've ever heard that William S. Burroughs wrote uh, an essay on it. It's uh, allegedly, it's tied into magic. He was like a practitioner of chaos magic. Yeah. I uh, should know that. I'm a big Bill Burroughs guy, but you're teaching me something. I probably have the fucking essay. Yeah. uh, Gus Van Sant made a uh, short film uh about based on it uh-huh uh when he was just out of uh film school oh i gotta look check that out yeah it's uh it's pretty fascinating so that's tuesday yeah so that was like something tuesday and then uh on fridays i do the uh full-length interviews with people who have like paranormal abilities or experiences like i uh talked to a woman who was a medium you know that's what her profession is i was uh-huh. past, past life hypnotized on one there was one i uh recorded myself with uh shane moss uh, we did a three-parter where we did DMT together. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. How was that? That was crazy. So when you go up to the farm and you hang out with the cows occasionally, does that ground you? Yeah, it is pretty cool, man. Like, there's something very peaceful about just kind of being back in nature and not being surrounded by, like, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all, all right. that shit. All right. Well, don't get lost, dude. No, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm, uh, you know, I think I'm on the right path. 
Yeah, my car has got the right. Shit. Oh yeah, I saved the shit out of that car too. We didn't need it. It was like, <laughs> you mean that the car is a practical car. Oh yeah, it's practical. But I mean, there was a lot of energy in there. There was a lot of like uh, slamming it in reverse up a half a mile <laughs> yeah, up a yeah. hill, screaming, "What All the right. fuck!" All right, you know. Yeah. So we, you know, it's been through some shit. Not that car's been great so far. Has it? Oh yeah, I'm taking it on a big trip here in about a week. Yeah, it's good, man. They're good cars. Yeah. I love you, man. Love you too, buddy. Thanks for talking. Yeah. That's me and Ryan Singer again tonight. Ryan Singer is at Doc's Lab in San Francisco. You can get his new CD, Immortal for Now, wherever you get CDs. A funny, odd, sensitive man, that Ryan Singer. He's a thinker. All right, so go to WTFPod.com soon. Soon everything's going to be different. Everything's going to be different. Get some JustCoffee.coop. Get on the mailing list. Order some posters. Do what you want. Leave a message. Uh, yeah, email me through there. Hold on.